Osiris. Hi, I'm Lara Bennett, and you're listening to Highway Butterfly, the stories of Neil Casal. Neil was a gifted singer, songwriter, musician, and friend to many. He released 14 albums as a solo artist and collaborated on countless projects with other musicians. After his passing in 2019, his friends and family created the Neil Casal Music Foundation to provide instruments and music lessons to students in New York and New Jersey and to support organizations that offer musicians mental health care. One of the featured projects of the newly formed foundation is the tribute album, Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal, a sprawling 41-song collection bringing together a galaxy of rock and roots luminaries. We've asked the contributing musicians to share their memories of Neil and their stories of making the record. Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal is out now. Purchase the album and learn more at neilcasalmusicfoundation.org. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining. Of course. So, Lauren, this is the first interview that I've done since Highway Butterfly has been released out into the world. How does it feel to have it out there? It feels great. I feel like it's a uh, it's it's a big deal. You know, it was a huge project for everyone involved, and it's uh, such a beautiful way to honor our friend and also showcase all of these amazing artists and their musicianship and voices. So I'm, I'm really excited. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, reception seems to have been amazing so far and yeah. um, your contributions are, you know, so beautiful and you're on quite a few songs. Um, you obviously um, do your own version of Lost Satellite and you also do a lot of backing vocals. Yeah. I was kind of camped out in there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that was home base for a while. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I wanted to start off by talking about how you met Neil. Um, can you talk about how that happened? Yeah. Um, I am from Santa Barbara and I met Neil completely like independently of this huge group of friends that we now share. I just met him at a show at Soho. He was living in Ventura at the time and he, uh, he opened a show for the all laws and I just, you know, it was like a weeknight and I went to go see the all laws and I was like, who is this guy? I didn't, I didn't know who he was. So it was kind of a cool like friendship independent of this whole like amazing scene, which now I totally, you know, give credit to him for introducing me to all of these people. It was like, I had no idea that that world even existed at that point. It was just like a dude who played guitar that I met. <laughs> So it was cool. And then he, you know, found out that I was a songwriter and then we'd hang out, write songs, sing together. And then it became kind of, you know, a little duo. It was rare. We only played a few shows, but it was really fun. That's awesome. So I wanted to ask you a bit more about playing together. Um, there's like a, a few videos on YouTube. Um, and I think I have a bootleg of you guys playing um, like Sleepless Nights and some of Neil's songs together. So oh how God, did that send, come about? Send it to me. <laughs> Sure, yeah. Uh, I have all the feelings. Uh, but uh, what was what was playing with him like? It was awesome. He was super hands-off and, like, really let me kind of do my thing. But at the time, admittedly, I, I hadn't sang harmonies very much. I thought I had, but I hadn't, mm-hmm. you know? So he was really, like, a, a good mentor, you know? He wouldn't, like, necessarily tell me what to do, but he definitely, like, pushed me in in the right direction, gave me really cool stuff to listen to for references. And that, I feel like that's how I kind of 
got like a you know crash course and singing really tight harmonies with another singer so grateful for that forever that's really cool and i think in that sleepless nights especially like it's very apparent and is very much um, you know obviously a graham and emily thing and yeah you sound i mean and yeah it's really beautiful your voices are magical together through the sleepless nights i cried for you and wondered who is kissing It was so fun and it was always just kind of like a thing that we were going to do more of in the future when things chilled out and it, you know, obviously it didn't happen, but it kind of like, it set the groundwork for me to do a lot of other musical collaborations that I think he'd be really stoked about. Right. That's pretty amazing. So what kind of, uh, what kind of stuff did he send you to inspire you? Um, definitely like the Graham and Emmy Lou stuff, but then like he sent me, I mean, honestly, I learned a lot of it from his own music that he sent me. And it's funny because the last satellite track he sent to me and he was like, I'm not super stoked on this version. I just want you to know, but we're going to do it stripped down. And like, I had that in my head kind of when I chose to do that song. I was like, I wonder if he would have wanted to do it like even slower because it's slow and it's like dark, but like. My whole vision for it was like, let's just really like pull the melodrama out of the song, you know, like slow it way down and give it this kind of like cinematic thing, which it deserved. But yeah, I learned a lot of harmonies from hearing him sing with himself, you know, Mm -hmm. or he would say, okay, you sing the lead and I'm going to sing the harmony. And I'd like kind of figure it out that way. So yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely he was a good teacher. Oh, that's really cool. So when you guys sang together, like, what was that like? Um, and like, what did you, I don't know, I just want to know about like these teaching sessions, what kind of advice he gave you? They were so quick. It was like, we sang a few times at his house in Ventura. And then there would be like, you know, when we played in Big Sur, we had like, because he was playing with like five other bands, you know, and all our friends were there. So it was like, okay, like, we've got like 10 minutes, like over here by the river, like get over here and let's like just practice this really quick, you know? So it was usually like run through it a few times. And if it sounded good, we'd be like, all right, let's do this. It was never like, you know, rehearsal time, you know, like mm-hmm. never strict, always really, really natural and organic. And I think that's why it was like so special and people liked it so much. Um, but yeah, definitely he, his advice was always more like, I don't know, like life advice, at least now looking back, I see that it was life advice, Mm. which I think is really cool because I think any advice that could be applied to your, you know, career or passion in the arts should be applicable to everyday life. So his main one that really got me was like, I forget if I called him or if we were just like sharing songs, you know, and I was like, here's this new song I wrote. Like, I'm kind of just like bored with this. I feel like I'm just writing the same song over and over again. It's the same progression. It's the same. I'm like, I'm bored of it. I want to write something different. And he was like, no, like keep doing that one thing until you can't do it anymore. He was like, I've written hundreds of songs with the same exact 
you know, thing. It's more like mining into like the depths of it. He was like, don't worry about it. Don't try to do anything weird. Do your thing until you can't do it anymore. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, and then listening to like, you know, you listen to Bob Dylan or Tom Petty and Beatles. And it's not like, it's not like they abandoned their style or any sort of flavor of their music until they took it as far as you can go. Sometimes right. three or four chords is really far. Years of music. So that was really valuable advice from him. You know, don't get too fancy. Just ride it out. Yeah, that's a really good advice. And, yeah. you know, less is more. and Keep it simple. Yeah, we always talk about, you know, his style of playing is like so understated, but that's why it's like so elegant and, yeah. and beautiful. So interesting. For the tribute album, you know, you recorded Lost Satellite and a lot of people I've talked to have brought it up as a highlight from the album out of many. And I think it's because it's, you know, so evocative and heartbreaking and really powerful. So um, let's take a pause and have a listen to it. Trying to make sense of all we've left behind. that recording this was easy. Can you tell me a bit about um, the recording process at Jim Scott's? So we had sort of decided, trying to remember exactly how this went down. I I think I had chosen a few songs that I'd want to do that like came to my head quickly. And a few of them had already been sort of claimed by other artists and people who are, you know, friends. And I was like, oh, okay, that'll do great. Like, you know, I was like rooting for everyone to find like the perfect song. And I had said I was going to do Tomorrow Sky because that was another one that I did with Neil and it was really beautiful. And I really liked the kind of double, like close harmony that we did. So I was like, maybe I can recreate that. And John Grayboff learned the guitar part, I'm pretty sure. And like, it was like the day before I was supposed to record it. And I don't know, I think I was just listening, listening back to some stuff and I was like, you know, I have to just, I think I have to do Lost Satellite. And um, the feeling was sort of like, yeah, I was kind of scared of it, but I knew I could do it. I knew I could sing it really, really well. So I was like, all right, let's just, none of this has been easy. Let's just power through this. And I know I can get like a really good capture, especially knowing the guys who are going to be playing. I was like, this is, this is perfect. So yeah, we went in there and everyone was kind of like thrown for a loop because everyone <laughs> like learned the other song. 
And I was like, don't worry, I got this. It's super easy. And yeah, it just sort of happened. And the, you know, Adam was playing the grand piano and it just, I don't know, everything, everything clicked. I want to say we didn't do more than like 10 takes total. It just was like this beautiful live experience. And the song really, yeah, I think the song really like guided us through it. It was really, really cool. It's uh, an amazing version. And it sounds like it was very much in the moment, just like you're, you know, practicing with Neil. Like, let's do this right now. And Yeah, it was kind of. And there wasn't a whole lot of polish on it, you know. And I talked to Jim. I was like, do you want me to redo the vocal? Should should I do a harmony? And he was kind of like, you know, we'll we'll see what it needs in the future. We'll put it down and we'll come back to it. And I never heard another thing about it. And, and hearing it now, I, I think we've made the right choice, which is just to kind of leave it as that um, little time capsule because it was yeah. fresh. It was really, people were hurt. It was, yeah, we were hurting for sure. And I think you can feel it, but it feels strong to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, strong emotions make for great music. Um, yeah. And, you know, throughout these interviews, the recurring theme that's come up has been that, you know, Neil had a way of hiding things in plain sight lyrically, um, kind of, you know, masking like really, uh, you know, painful sentiments with like very bright and sunny melodies. But the song is so raw. And for me, it's like, it was always hard to listen to even before. Yeah. So I, I can imagine that it was pretty raw while you were there. I mean, even when he first showed it to me, I'll never forget. He was like, okay, like, <laughs> he was like, the song's kind of gnarly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's, it, it's very, um, it's very raw, you know? And like you said, even, even before we lost him, like even to hear that and be like, Ooh, like, where does it come from? You know? Right. And for me as a songwriter, it's like the fact that that came through to him so strongly that it wasn't um, a matter of like, okay, how do I, say this more elegantly how do I say this in a way that's not going to freak anyone out it was like no like that's the line that came through you know and yes it is a little bit spooky looking back and thinking of how long ago he recorded it and how long ago he wrote it and that that um, sentiment and that feeling was there you know it's definitely one of those that wasn't hidden you know yeah it was loud and clear so yeah, it's an intense experience to sit with that song, for sure. I'm sure. Well, speaking of, uh, let's pause and listen to Neil's version. Hoping against hope Dying on the vine
heard this song when he had just written it. And so that was like a really long time ago. So you'd known him for like a really long time. He had already wrote it. So I think he had a vision for this song to be sort of a folk song. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was really cool. I don't, I don't know if there's any footage of us playing it because it only happened a few times, but yeah, I, I played it for a long time after we stopped playing together just because we both got busy, you know, and mm-hmm. he, I remember once I played it at a show and he, he came to the show and was in the audience and he was like, Oh yeah, you can have that song. That's yours now. Don't even worry about it. That's just your song. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, Thank that's you. amazing. Yeah. Well, so yeah, he approves. that's great that's nice to know and yeah Yeah. you really did make it your own so that's pretty incredible um I want to know if you have any other memories that you want to share from your friendship with him yeah I mean we had so many just like it it was few and far between just because of you know things that really started picking up with CRB and like the skiffle players and all of and hardworking Americans, like between all the projects that he was involved with, it's like he wasn't home very much, you know, mm-hmm. but I being kind of like a little, you know, traveler myself and like, I'd be on a little tour or I'd be traveling and be like, Oh my God, CRB are in, you know, Memphis tonight or whatever. Like I'm an hour away. So we'd see each other on the road, but the best were those little gigs, you know, like, mm-hmm the mollusk jamboree gig in Big Sur was just like so magical. And we did one up in Ojai at the Ojai Rancho and that was just like tiny and like under a tree and like little kids and dogs everywhere. And just like, it were those, it was those little special ones where we would kind of like finish playing and be like, did anyone see that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like, is that our little secret? And uh, I remember one time we played at the chapel. Um, I think it was like the night before New Year's Eve 2013 or something. We we're up there and Neil was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, I don't know, go home, like hang out. And he was like, let's go to Big Sur and just like chill for New Year's Eve and like not have to like do anything. And I was like, okay, that actually sounds really good. And so we just like, went, played music, hung out in the Redwoods. And it was just this cool relationship where it wasn't romantic. It wasn't really a band, you know, it's not like, well, this is my bandmate. It wasn't working. It wasn't romantic. It was like, just like a badass, like friendship, mentorship. And like, yeah, I haven't really had anything like that before or after. So Mm -hmm. it was like this special thing in my life but that also I believe like propelled me into this world that I'm in now with the people I most of the people that I know that I'm close with and working with I know through Neil right you know when I moved to LA he was like okay you gotta meet Benji you gotta meet Farmer Dave like I'm gonna introduce you to to be rad and like you know it was like all these people that I had no idea who they were Mm -hmm. and then I started to see it it's like the path kind of opened up and he was really good. He saw it. And I've heard that about him from a lot of people is he was always the guy who was like, you, you need to come here. You need to meet her. You need to meet him. Like he was a really good connector. My friends, I call them connector fairies. 
<laughs> you know, where you're like, totally. it's the person who's like, I got you, you know, and make these magical connections that like last for a really long time. Right. And it's still happening. I mean, through this album yeah. and so many other ways. I mean, I know so many people that I've met like directly or indirectly um, just through O'Neill Connection. So yeah, yeah. it is, um, you know, a nice ripple effect that's still occurring. So tell me a little bit more about how he laid the groundwork for what you're doing now and, you know, what you're doing now and your current band and how that all came about. So I'd say the most important, the most important male influence right now, although it, it did stem from this tragedy is that I'm in the graduate program now to um, get my degree in clinical psychology so that I can be a therapist. And that's like something that I always kind of wanted to do. But when, when this happened and the ripple effect was kind of felt throughout, I don't know, it felt like the whole world, but definitely through our, our crew and our family, I, I felt like it was important to put everything else, not aside, but kind of like, you know, a little pause on everything else and like, it's time to do this. I just felt like if there was one, one more person that I could help, I wanted to prioritize that. So that's the hugest thing that's kind of been a Neil influence in my life lately. And that's going to be the next few years of my life in this program. And the next, you know, forever of having that be part of my job. That so is that's, so cool. that's really exciting to me. And yeah. um, the other thing is that, you know, I moved up to Ventura about a year, a little over a year ago. Another thing that I'd always wanted to do being from Santa Barbara, I was like, this is a perfect town. And I just, it didn't seem like it was time to make that leap until COVID hit, there wasn't so much touring happening. There wasn't so much inner city work for me. And I was like, yeah, I think maybe this is the time to do it. So the fact that we came up here working on school and then playing in, uh, in the band with Farmer Dave and Ben Knight and, and Chad Marshall, who are like three, like those are Neil's boys, you know, mm-hmm. and those are my boys too. And I remember always he would, he was like, with those guys like hang out keep hanging out with those guys Mm -hmm. you know and so he kind of helped us like form this really amazing group of friends that also then fell together as like the new lineup of Harvard Day's having a really good time we've made a record with dave schools and the curation is gonna you know be supporting us and we're all sort of like 
we're all like forming this like multi-headed dragon, you know, that seems like it stemmed from the Neil connection, at least for me, for sure. That is really amazing. And um, congrats on going back to school and Thank you. You know, committing. And I know you just finished your first semester today. So congrats. yeah, last week. So yeah, it's, uh, it's happening. Seven more to go. <laughs> I told former Dave this in our interview, but I just, I think that's so amazing that it's like just a very direct action uh, that will absolutely yeah. impact lives. And that is really amazing. And so, yeah, something, something beautiful to come out of something so difficult. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. And like, it's gonna, in combination with the music that we'll continue to make, it's going to, I think, just like elevate this like healing modality, you know, mm-hmm. be able to, because I had a lot of people say to me, oh, are you, so are you going to be a musician full-time and a part-time therapist? Are you going to be a therapist full-time and a part-time musician? Like, what's going on? Are you still good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do both Mm -hmm. (laughs) full-time. And hopefully they will both, like, kind of carry each other to, like, a next level. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see how it goes. Right. Like, obviously, music is such a healing tool. So in combination, I just imagine that will be beneficial to your future patients and yourself. Yeah. Excited to get some some letters behind my name so I can start helping people. (laughs) That's awesome. So you're also on a a couple other tracks. So I wanted to ask you um, just what are some of your favorite songs from Highway Butterfly? The ones that I did, I like, I feel like I will listen to those songs forever and just be like, Oh, like, such warm and fuzzy feelings because it wasn't only the moments of singing in the booth, you know, which are like, it's just a surreal experience in its own because Jim's studio is so beautiful. And it's like every little tiny square foot of that place is, is magical. And it's all like so much care is put into it. And there's so many cool things to look at. And it just like makes you feel like you're really, you're at home and you're also in this like creative, magical fairyland circus place, you know? So I was like, okay, this is so fun. But then you step out of the booth and there are always friends there and people coming to visit and support and great conversations and Jim making dinner. And like, it's just like, I mean, it felt like the clubhouse for a while. So the ones that I definitely contributed to and love so much are um jesse did the losing end again which we've done before in new york um Mm -hmm. for the tribute show at the capitol and then also in la so we'd sang it before together and it was it was tight and kind of ready to go and then rachel's dean did so far stray and i love singing we've also sang together a lot over the last decade or so. So that was really, really cool. And then, yeah, singing like with Krasno and Marcus King and Alex Coford and Courtney J and Leslie Stevens and just like all these people who not only are like dear friends of mine, but also I'm like, you guys are the most badass singers ever. So it, it was like, yeah, it was like fantasy camp for recording. <laughs> so cool. All right. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for your contributions and your beautiful voice and sharing all these memories. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, No, just, you know, like, thank you to everyone who's listened and contributed to the foundation. I think it's really important that, yeah, we just keep 
pushing, you know, into the future in a more positive way. And like, yeah, I, I know a few people have mentioned this in these interviews, but if anyone is having a hard time, like, please, please reach out. You can reach out to me, to Farmer Dave, to any, any of us, you know, we we're ready. We're geared up and ready to help. So yeah, hope everyone's, everyone's doing well. Okay. Thank you so much, Lauren. You're welcome. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Backline, the music industry's mental health and wellness resource hub. Launched in 2019, Backline gives artists, crews, and their families quick and easy access to mental health and wellness resources. Backline provides individuals with case management and offers virtual support groups as well as yoga, meditation, and breath work. To donate, learn more, or get in touch for personalized care, visit backline.care. That's B-A-C-K-L-I-N-E dot C-A-R-E. Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal is out now. Purchase the album and learn more at neilcasalmusicfoundation.org. Osiris.